0: I have a lot of people ask me about my shoulder. The physical therapist says I'm where I'm supposed to be. It just doesn't seem like I'm where I'm supposed to be. You know, you want to get up, and you want to use it and do things with it, but I can't put any weight on it or anything yet. And, um, so anyway, but but the, really, the only time it hurts much is when the physical therapist grabs a hold of me. So I don't understand. That. She keeps telling me to relax, and I keep saying I thought I was. <laughs> she just she just smiles and bends it a little further. And, but anyway, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but God, I think God, you know, God I know God's going to heal it and, and it's going to be the way it ought to be and I can fish and I can throw a ball with my grandson and, and do all those things. Even go back to work, I guess, if I have to. Uh, but anyway. Um, I wanna, I want to talk this morning about it. the title of my message is the wrong end of the sword. There's a lot of players in, in the message this morning, and, and I, hopefully there's some things that maybe we don't think about when we start throwing a sword around. So I'm going to ask for some volunteers. So I think Dirk's volunteering, and Lamont's volunteering, and Jerome's volunteering, and, and Brent's volunteering. Thank you, guys. Come on up. Okay, let me see. Who who looks like Jesus? All right. You know? Brent, Brent Brent you look like Jesus this morning, okay? All right. And, and Dirk, you're with you you look like Peter this morning. Okay? So so, so I'm going to let you be careful, it's heavy. It's heavier than it looks, okay? And, and 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 Lamont, you're the high priest. Okay. And and Jerome, you're the high priest servant. You know what that means? Okay, you're gonna find out. So, so, so this morning, what happens is, um, we're talking about the story where where Jesus is getting—they're getting ready to arrest Jesus—and so so the high priest, the high priest and his group, including his old buddy Malchus, um, his servant, and, and and they come out, and Jesus, you're up in front of Peter here. And and so so you guys come out here, and and so now they're coming out to get Jesus, and Peter says, "Lord, should we attack?" And then he just whi- cuts off, now cut off Jerome's ear. ear. <laughs> so so now we see the servant is missing an ear. All right, and 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 Peter has struck out violently. And then what does Jesus do? Pick up the ear, put it back on, and heal it. So now we see we got, we got the servant, we have Jesus, and we have Peter. You're just up here for good looks. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Give me, the, give me the sword before somebody gets hurt. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So the title is The Wrong End of the Sword, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. If you want to grab a Bible and let's hold them up. I see the last couple weeks, Pastor Jared hasn't done this. I'm going to have a little chat with him. (laughs) This is God's word for me today. Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 54. I'll give you just a minute. We all understand that as we go through life, there are hurts that happen, right? People hurt and people get hurt. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning and how we deal with those hurts. And how will we respond to those hurts? Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 54. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man sees him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do you want... Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. And and Lord, as we study your word and as we search your word, help us today to understand, uh, understand in life that there are hurts. But also help us to understand, Lord, how those hurts can be healed and how we can reach out in those times. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We go on, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 22, verses 49 and 51. And, and when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. <coughs> but Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Now John names the guy. The first two, they let it go. John calls him out in verse 8 in chapter 18. Verses ten and eleven. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Don't know why the first two, Matthew, Matthew didn't name Peter or Matthew didn't name him and Luke didn't name him, but John calls him right out. Says it was Peter that drew the sword. So this morning. I want us to, as we look at this, I want us to to look at those moments when we have to deal with hurt. And it's not easy to navigate those moments. It's not easy to go through those times. It's not easy easy when we begin to think of the hurts that that have happened in our life. But it's also not easy to think about the times when we've hurt others. And And I want us to see the whole a little bit more of the whole picture. You see, as a pastor, I've seen hurts and I've seen how Those hurts have been dealt with, and if those hurts aren't dealt with properly, I've seen the damage that, that that can cause. I've seen people that have been offended in church, and instead of working things out, they get mad, and they get angry, and they get frustrated, and then they start talking bad about somebody or who, whatever, and before you know it, there's a split, and there's people leaving, and there's... All kind of, why it wasn't that the thing that happened I, I, I've seen and, and, and here you probably heard this well they didn't include me they went out went to lunch and they didn't invite me got my feelings hurt and instead of dealing with it it ends up being a big mess and then somebody's got to try to pick up the pieces did, it, did they get hurt yes should they have gotten hurt no but did they deal with it correctly Friendships get damaged severely. Church and ministry decisions are made for the wrong reasons. Preachers aren't out of the hot seat either. Personal decisions made without wisdom or thought, but out of emotion. Has anybody ever made an emotional decision that after the fact, yeah, is anybody besides Rod lying right now? Come on now. Sometimes we let our emotions rule us, don't we? And we make, a, we make a bad decision, and then later we have to apologize, or we have to try to fix those things that we messed up because we made an emotional decision. <laughs> <Amen>. One... <laughs> We'll, we'll deal with it later. We'll deal with it later. And then what can happen is, then you might begin to live your life instead of the way God intended it. You live your life based on trying to avoid ever being hurt again. So you shelter yourself, you isolate yourself, you run away from the very thing that you need the most because you got hurt there once. Well, I probably, you know, Probably shouldn't say this. So, I'm going to say it and just take a chance. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If your kid goes to school and they come home and they say, "Mom, that kid hurt my feelings at school." Are you going to tell that kid, "Well, you need to stop going to school." <laughs> what? We ain't having that. You're not going to school anymore. I think you probably know where I'm going with this, don't you? How many times do people get their feelings hurt in church and so they stop going to church? Why, that's where they got their feelings hurt. Well, come on, I got, I've had my feelings hurt a lot of times. And I've hurt people's feelings a lot of times. Neither one of them are right. But it's no excuse to stop going to church. It's no excuse to stop being part of the bride of Christ. Because I sometimes say things I probably shouldn't. You, but if, if you're a Christian... If you're a Christian and Jesus Christ is who he says he is and we're the bride, right? Why do we not want to be a part of that? Why do we not want to be a part of that? And yet so many people... see. Well, I don't know how I got to that. How many people distance themselves from the very thing that they need the most? The body of Christ. As we... Walk on this earth, we will at times find ourselves at one of the ends of the sword. You might be the one today that's wielding it. Or you might be the one that's taking the brunt of it. Let's face it, it happens. And if you're honest with yourself, you've been on both ends of it. Unjustly on both ends of it at times. I would have to say. So it's not whether or not it's happened. It's not whether or not it's going to happen again. It's what are we going to do about it? How are we going to live our lives knowing that tomorrow I may mess up and I may grab the sword or tomorrow I may get stabbed? How am I going to live my life? What am I going to do? I want to look at some of the players in the story this morning the first one, I want to look at the servant, Malchus. He was just a servant. He wasn't the soldier. He wasn't the one who was out to, to beat or maim or kill at the moment. He was just a servant. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Anybody ever been at the wrong place and the wrong time, and somehow you got it all, brother. You got it all. It's like, I didn't even do it. It didn't matter. You were there. That's what this poor fellow... Was like I'm sure it took him by surprise when Peter's sword went, whoosh. and there is his ear laying on the ground, and he's bleeding, and he. I'm sure when he walked up there, because as you read the scripture, he walked up there with a whole bunch of people that had swords and weapons. I'm sure he felt pretty safe. I'm sure he felt like nothing can happen to me. I'm just a servant. I'm just here as support. I'm going to go up there with the high priest, and we're going to do what needs to be done, and we're going to get out of here. And and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something happens. You see, I, I believe that as we walk through this life, each and every one of us is going to face those times when we're just doing what we're supposed to do, we're just where we're supposed to be, and all of a sudden, wham, something lays us out. All of a sudden, we, we didn't do anything, we didn't deserve it, and yet, all of a sudden, it happens. You see, I, I truly believe there's nothing that can hurt us more than when somebody we trust and care about hurts us. When somebody that we put our trust in hurts us, the hurt is the deepest that it could ever be. We don't see it coming, and we're just doing what we're supposed to do. The greater our expectations of a person, the more painful the hurt is when we are hurt. You see, the thing about it is you're not the first, you won't be the last for this to happen to you doesn't make it any easier it just means that it does happen here's what the psalmist david had to say in psalm chapter 41 verse 9 he said even my close friend in whom i trusted who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me david says listen this this dude that i that i i hung out with and i trusted him he probably had his even had his back a few times, then all of a sudden this was the same one who was out to get him. See, Malchus had no way of preparing for what was about to happen. Wouldn't it be nice if God would all tell us in advance, hey, there's somebody coming up here with a sword and they're going to whack your ear off. Um, Get ready. Or... Be really careful because so-and-so is going to start talking bad about you. They're going to start gossiping about you. They're going to start complaining about you. They're going to start telling everybody your faults. Well, for most of us, (laughs) that'd be a book, not a short story. And probably we would also say, well, they need to get in line because there's already a bunch of them. Doing it. But God doesn't give us those warnings. There's been times in. In ministry. Where. It just. You just think man we're all getting along. We're all doing things right. And then all of a sudden boom. Had one of those. One of those days. And we were on a spiritual high. And man we had a. just Just had this special service plan. And man it went great. And it was awesome. And man there was a power of God. And. Before that Sunday evening service took place, everything fell apart. We were being accused of all kinds of things we didn't do. And I mean, it was just like, what? And it was hard. And it could have been devastating. But when I went home that night, I said, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But next Sunday we're going to be in church. Didn't matter there was good old church people that hurt me. I said, "I next Sunday morning, we're going to be in church." And we went to church that next Sunday morning, and the pastor didn't know us, hadn't didn't know we were coming, had no idea what our circumstance was. But the message he preached, he couldn't have drawn me up to the front and set me down, and to- I couldn't have told him my life story, and he couldn't have preached a better sermon for me and my family that day. And I bawled, like, you probably don't believe this, but I bawled and I bawled and and I prayed and I bawled and God did a restoration in my life. God worked, and I I said, unbelievable. God didn't warn me that it was coming, but God wasn't surprised by it. And God already had a plan for healing and restoration in my life and in my family's life even as it was taking place. Remember, when pain comes, Jesus has a healing and a restoration. You see, Jesus picked up that ear and Jesus healed that ear. Why? I don't know. He was one of the bad guys because Jesus had compassion on the hurting. And in Jesus' plan, everything needed to be done in the right way. And so Jesus simply did what Jesus does. He brings healing. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you've been or you are right now in that place of being hurt, maybe it's not a church thing, maybe it's not a family thing, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you, Jesus can bring healing, but you have to let him be the healer. You see, too many times when we get hurt, we want to hold on to the right To not let that healing happen. Well, you don't understand. You don't, I know I don't understand, but God does. Jesus knows how much you hurt. And yet, He wants to bring healing into your life, but you have to let Him. You have to let Him bring that healing. You have to let Him apply His love and His grace and His mercy to your life so that you aren't stuck in that hurt. You can move on and you can get. What you have, he has for you. So the first person we see was Malchus, and we see that Jesus brought healing. And the second person I want us to see is Peter this morning. You see, I believe when Peter went out there that day with Jesus, he had really good intentions. When Peter was with Jesus, I believe he just wanted Jesus to take his rightful place as the king. And on that moment when all of a sudden the crowd comes and and the soldiers come and and all that, it seems like it's falling apart. And so Peter took matters into his own hands. Something that's hard for us to understand, it's hard for me as a husband sometimes to understand that just because my intentions were good, doesn't make it right what I did. Just because my intentions are good doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And that's that's beyond human nature to understand. Because there's been times when I've tried, I I thought, man, I did something really good and, and I found out I didn't. And my, yeah. And I found out my intentions were good, but I should have thought it through a little better because what I did really wasn't that great but it's true. And and guys, we understand that because we don't think like women do. And women, you don't think like men do. And as some women would say, men think? What? (laughs) And, and, And so we... We have to understand that just because our intention, see, see, we could defend ourselves all day long, right? Guys, you've done that. You you've you spent an hour defending what you did, trying to justify it. I know I've been there, and yet it's so hard to admit, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And the same is true as we walk through this life. You know, we we would rather spend an hour trying to justify what we did than 15 minutes apologizing and recognizing the mess that we made because we made a, a very silly decision based on what we thought instead of thinking it through a little better and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and, and guide us in the process. We have to be careful, even as ministers, because, you know, the pastor always has good intentions, right? And yet, sometimes a pastor still does boneheaded things. It's happened. And so, we understand, or I, I believe that Peter had the right intentions, but where did he fall short? I think one of the first things that we can look at in our own lives and with Peter is we fail to spend enough time in prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, here's what Jesus said. He said this to Peter just a, little, just a few minutes before this happened. He said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak." See, he said, Peter, the the Spirit is willing. I know you want to do, but your flesh is weak. He says, go and pray. And you know what Peter did when Jesus took him up there to pray? He fell asleep. Been there. (laughs) He fell asleep, and Jesus told him ahead of time, Peter, you need to watch and pray because something's about to happen. Something's about to take place and you need to be the strongest man of God you can be. And I'm telling you and me and each one of us this morning, we need to pray and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit because things are going to happen to you. And you need to be the strongest man or woman of God you can be when the time comes. And you need to be ready. Prayerlessness will have a negative effect on our relationships. It'll have a negative relation- effect on your marriage. It'll have a negative relationship with you and your children. It'll have a negative relationship with you and your neighbor. It'll have a negative relationship with you and your church. And it'll have a negative relationship with you and and your God. Prayerlessness will hurt. Prayer brings our hearts closer to the heart of Jesus. We see people like he does. You see, if I see people the way I see people sometimes that's not good. Because it's easy for the human eyes to see all their faults and all their failures and all their weaknesses, and just like it's easy for you to see that in me. But when we get closer to the heart of God, when we get closer to Jesus Christ, we begin to see people's potential. We begin to see what people can do. We begin to see the value in in people instead of the opposite. And wouldn't you like people to see you that way? Wouldn't you like people to see you that way? So if you want people to (coughs) see you that way, maybe we need to start seeing them that way. And if we want to do that, we need to pray. Has there ever been that person that you just had to say lots of special prayers about? (laughs) Oh, God, you need to help me. They are rubbing me the wrong way. Instead of praying that God would Fix them. Say, God, fix me. God, may you do something in me that will bring a love for them, that will help them down their path. But first, may it be me that you work on. As the closer you get to Him, the more you're going to begin to see the, them the way He sees them, as people with value and people with purpose. Don't get stuck in the rut of prayerlessness, because it will not be good at all. And the second thing I see that Peter did here, and we sometimes do, we we fail to wait for his instruction. The scripture in Luke chapter 22 says this, and when those who were around him saw him, what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So Here we see, they say, Lord, what should we do? Well, Peter didn't wait for any instruction. He knew better than Jesus, I think, at this point. He knew what needed to be done, supposedly, and so he jumped into action. Now, there's a time for action, but there's a time for waiting on the Lord and getting his instruction. And sometimes we get so in such a hurry to see something done that we jump into action and then we don't know what to do with it. We make a mess, and then we have to figure out what to do with it. One time I came home, and my wife had busted up some stuff in the bathroom because she got tired of waiting on me to fix it. Guess what I had to do then? I had to fix it. So she made a mess with no inti- No. She was acting like Peter, and then somebody had to fix it. It wasn't didn't end up bad. I'm not saying that part did, but 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 there are times when we make a mess of things because we get in a hurry and we don't listen to God. We just we because sometimes less just like sometimes kids know more than their parents. You know, just like kids, they know better. Yeah, he's not in here right now. Just like sometimes kids are smarter than their parents. We sometimes think we're smarter than God. And so we want to jump out there when God is, is trying to give us some guidance, and yet we won't follow it, so we just jump on out there. Sometimes we just want to give God a little push. You guys, you've you seen that uh, uh, one of those insurance commercials with Mayhem, the tailgater? He's right on it. Right and you know what happens to me when somebody tailgates me? I just start going slower. Yeah. And I just start smiling. And I'm like, listen, dude, you think I'm going slow now? You just stay that close to me, and we're just going to keep, makes my wife, she said, you're just being mean. I like, I, try, I try very much to, to give them a wide berth. But, but, but that tailgater, you know, they get up on you, they think they're going to push you. They think they're going to make you go a little faster. I think sometimes when we do that to God, I think he just says, oh, you think you're frustrated now. <laughs> you keep pushing and we'll see what happens, you know. Maybe he's not like that. I don't know. I'd like to think sometimes he hit. But, but sometimes we do that. We get up right on God. and We just think we can, if we push him a little harder, he'll just do what we want him to do. Well, God's got a plan. And you're not going to change his plan by pushing him around. Just like that tailgater ain't going to make me go any faster just because he's on my tail. We can't push God and make him go faster. Oh boy. There was a funny thing one of my friends posted on Facebook. It was about kids ministries and it had two buttons. One, we better play some more games because it's going along. And the other was, oh, we can wrap up because the pastor's done. Usually it's the first one, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We choose to stray sometimes. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56 says, But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all his disciples left him and fled. When the going gets tough, we'd like to say the tough get going, right? Well, sometimes they get going right out (laughs) the door. When life gets hard, they give up. They give up on circumstances, they give up on situations, they give up on family, they give up on friends, they give up on church, they give up on God. We need to learn that when things get tough, that's when we need Him more. When things get tough, that's when we need our family more. When things get things gets tough, that's when we need to get closer to one another, not farther apart. Yeah, you might not, you might be mad at that brother or that sister, but that's okay. You need to get closer. You need to work together a little bit more. You need need to rub elbows a little bit more. You need to love a little bit more. Because if you start distancing yourself, you're going to be out. You see, I don't understand why people walk away from their faith in Jesus when things get tough. I'm 57 years old. I'm just a young fella. And I've I've been in church for 57 years. And I've seen... Literally hundreds of people walk away from their faith because of something happened. And I've never understood it and I never will. The more things go on, the more we need Him. The tougher life gets, the more we need Him. The more people make us mad and frustrated and angry, the more we need Him. Come on, it's the truth. It may not feel like what we want to do, but it's what we need. We need Him more and more and more every day. No matter who is around us. You see, if things are right vertically, they will be right horizontally. If we get it right with Jesus, He's going to help us with those around us. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. I, I, we don't live in a, the fairy tale ending here. We live in the world where Jesus is leading us down that path. And in that path, there are going to be rocky, there are going to be rough spots but the end of it is clear. The back of the book tells us we win, amen? The third person in this story is the Savior. And you see in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53 and 4, we've read it, I'm going to read it again. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So you see, we see His will. And I won't take the time to read it, but you've all, you've all read it before and heard it about when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed and he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He walked out of the garden. He walked into this situation and he had already made his mind up. His will was solid. And so he tells Peter, listen, Peter, this is going to happen. You see, even in the midst of a bloody ear, his will was going to be accomplished. You see that nothing had taken place that would change The plan that Jesus had. Jesus has a a will and a plan for your life and my life. Even in the middle of the situation you're in right now, He has a plan. Even in your desperation, He has a plan. Even in your failure, He has a plan to bring you out of that. He didn't plan. I'm going to say this. I know, I know uh, there's a lot of theology. When you sin, Jesus didn't plan for you to sin. Now, come on, it's the truth, whether you like it or not. He didn't plan, well, I, I sinned, I know Jesus planned for that. No, you did that your own self, don't blame him. He can, The Bible says he cannot tempt you to sin. But when you do, he has a plan for restoration. When you do mess up, he has a plan to bring you back. When you do fall short, He has a plan to restore you to the place that He has for you. He has a plan and a will for your life. And His work is healing. His work is to heal both the physical, the spiritual, the emotional. He is here to heal your hurts, your wounds, and His willingness Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. This is Jesus. To him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus understands it. He identifies with it. And he is willing to do so. I'm going to read one more scripture and then I'm going to close. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted to take up the sword, I believe. He was tempted to strike out, I believe, because the Bible says in all ways he was tempted, yet without sin. But he had settled that with the Father. You see, this morning, maybe even this week, you have been on one side of the sword or the other. Maybe this morning you recognize that you've inflicted pain this week. You've picked up the sword when you should have picked up or fallen on your knees. You have picked up the sword when you should have picked up the sword of the word of God. You've picked up the sword when you should have picked up the phone and called that brother or sister and said, hey, can we talk? You've picked up the sword when you should have put it at Jesus' feet and said, I've done all I can with this, Lord. Now it's your turn. Or maybe you've been the one that has felt that blade and somebody's hurt you. Somebody's just decimated you. Either way this morning, Jesus is here to heal those wounds. Jesus is here to forgive you. He's here to heal your spirit. He's here to change you. If you need that restoration and reconciliation this week, He is here. And sometimes that means just you and God, and sometimes it means you may have to reach out to somebody else and apologize. The hardest thing you may ever do. But whatever Jesus needs you to do this week, I encourage you. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Lord, this morning as we come to this part, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us to recognize just exactly what steps we need to take to receive this healing in our life. Lord, if we need forgiveness, if we need to ask somebody forgiveness, give us the strength and the boldness to do that. And Lord, if somebody has hurt us and you want us to go to them and and talk with them, God, give us the strength and the boldness to do that. And Lord, if we just need healing from you this morning in our spirit, Lord, if there's nothing else that can be done but just to fall on our face before you, Lord, I pray that today we'll be able to do that and receive the healing that you have for us. Because, Lord, we might be the one who's been hurt, or we might be the one who has hurt, but you are the one who brings healing. And so, Lord, we can come to you today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, I, I would just simply ask if, if you need special prayer this morning as we close, if, if, if this sermon has is really resonated with you and in your life and in your heart and in your spirit, you just need that healing from the hand of God to know what to do and, and how to proceed, I, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you as we close this morning. Yes, I see those hands. I don't want to encourage you to let him do it, because we can preach and we can pray, but if we are, will not allow him to finish the work, that's as far as it will go. Won't we all stand this morning? Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your Holy Spirit this morning that has brought your word to life. And I thank you, Lord, that in the hearts and lives of, of those this morning that have, have, have recognized they need you to bring healing into a certain situation or, or an aspect of their life today. Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would help them to let it go to you, would, uh, would allow you to begin to pour in your healing oil will allow you to begin to speak life into them today, Lord, into that circumstance and into that situation, Lord, that they can leave this place with confidence that they're going to walk in victory. Lord, that they can have victory in that circumstance as they leave because they've given it to you and allowed you to do what you want to do. And Lord, if that involves asking for forgiveness, God, I pray for that boldness. If that involves Some other way of healing that hurt, Lord, I pray that they would have that boldness to do. So, Lord, we thank you. And we go out of this place, Lord, with victory in our hearts, knowing that you have met us here today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.